0: I'm a Muslim and That's okay. presents The Whole Muslim. Extraordinary stories from the lives of everyday Muslims. You can hear these interviews on my podcast and you can see them on YouTube. Just follow the link in the show notes. Everyone, may peace be on you all and welcome to my special interview segment that I call the whole Muslim and um, this interview segment I it's suddenly just popped into my head that a lot of times people don't see Muslims in an entire way and also don't realize how different we are and that's why I was like you know I'm here Let's see if I can change some perceptions. And so uh, I decided to do a series of interviews with some very unusual stories from very extraordinary Muslims. And my first guest is Zakira Muhammad. She is a African-American Muslim. She is a cancer survivor. She is a professional photographer and she's a published author and she's only 28 years old. How are you, Zakira? It's so wonderful to have you.
1: Thank you so much for having me,
0: (laughs) Saida. So, before we start with anything else, I read your book, uh, your book, Seeing Life Through a Different Lens. I hope I'm remembering it correctly. I'm just, that's it. that's That's it. it. And uh, your story is so extraordinary, Zakira. So we're gonna start at the beginning of your book. And the beginning of your book is the beginning of your life. And it's written so beautifully. And here's the thing that's the extraordinary thing about your book. It's not an autobiography per se, it's a biography/slash autobiography because it has parts that are written by you and parts that are written, are actually taken from your mother's blog about her experience with you when you were just a baby. And please tell my audience. What is it that she discovered when you were only six months old?
1: Yes, so uh, actually the older I get and the more stories that come out from my mom, it actually started before that. And uh, she kind of briefly mentioned that in the book, but uh, my mom was in, older mom per se and mm-hmm. and so I was the youngest I'm the youngest you know she got you know married to my dad and they wanted to have a child right and so it was you know the last chance right before <laughs> you know uh, that last age you know right. before it's like okay I don't think you can have kids anymore so um she was blessed you know to have me but yes. it wasn't an easy pregnancy mm-hmm. but it also wasn't um an easy, let's say, now the childbirth was easy because she said I came out in just, you know, six minutes. <laughs> um, oh wow. But the first three months were kind of challenging. First of all, I was prematurely born. I was born almost six uh six weeks early. I was born on December twenty and I was supposed to be born on January thirteenth. So first I was a premature baby. Oh, wow. And and then she observed some things going on with my I even as i was leaving the NICU the uh, neonatal intensive unit and so at three months actually is when she first spotted this white glow in my right eye and at first she didn't know what that was she caught it you know in the sunlight we were living in sunny south florida she caught it in the sunlight and was like what was that you know kind of like if you Hmm. see something really fast and you're like not sure what that was and then it happened again um it happened again and this time she was able to take a photograph of it, right. and it showed up in the photograph. And she showed me that photograph um, because you also see in the book for those who are listening. Uh, I come in at one point when I'm young, wondering if I've always been this way, which yes. I talked more about that. So uh, she took a picture of it and when the photo printed because this was the day of the convenience store you know take a picture okay. get your picture photos a week later so she um sees the photo and there's a white glow in my right eye and one one eye has the red dot and the other eye, eye has the, the, the white dot so she had never seen that before mm-hmm. she asked coworkers, um she asked family and then she finally went to my pediatrician at that time who said, oh, it's nothing to worry about. You're just a new mom, don't worry about it. But mom was not a new mom. She Mm -hmm. had a very strong intuition, and she took her to another doctor. She had to wait three more months, hence six months old, uh, to get a referral. And that's Mm -hmm. when they were told that this is actually the early stages Mm -hmm. of a rare childhood eye cancer called retinoblastoma. Mm -hmm. And if she does not have surgery right away, she could die. So um, my right eye was surgically removed um, three more months passed by. I was nine months old when my right eye was surgically removed and since then I've been seeing in one eye. Um, But now, I, I define it as I have the photographer's eye because it's so ironic though that it was a photograph that my mother took of okay. me and then she introduced me to a, a camera at age five and I just, the camera had been my voice, my, 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 my best friend, you know, and I later made it a career. So I have
0: the photographer's eye and that, that's just the start of my life. <laughs> that's so amazing. And you have to tell me, what is the survival rate of retinoblastoma? because my husband's a doctor mm -hmm, and when I told him mm -hmm. he was he was in shock because what it you tell me what is the survival rate
1: right so now thanks to technology improving all the time Mm -hmm. uh, now the survival rate is 95% but at the time that I was diagnosed in the Mm -hmm. 1990s um, the survival rate was not past five years old and definitely not in the 90s so for me to also i've also mentioned in the book i've also been blessed to meet others who have the same exact mm-hmm. cancer that i have who are no longer living to this day mm-hmm. so the fact that i am still around the fact that i can still converse with you and see you right. and hear you uh right. is is
0: a testament of god it is a blessing in the eyes so absolutely and because from what i understand it as well uh, sometimes it spread to both eyes and you are lucky that um she caught it so early and it was just one eye that that had to be removed and you, but you can still see with the other eye.
1: Exactly. I am blessed to have 20, 20 vision in my other eye, Mm -hmm. Um, but there are plenty who were not so lucky. There are some, there there are a handful of survivors that are um, of my age and they don't have vision at all. And even some of them have to wear hearing aids because the, the cancer can spread, you know, throughout the body, really. So that's why I still see doctors every, um, well, now now that the pandemic annually, I see doctors annually to make sure that it has not spread to the other eye two other right. parts of the body but yeah most of the survivors that i know of especially in facebook groups now the mom spent time as a mentor to right. some of the parents who were just now going through it all over again so most of them unfortunately have lost both visions both right. you know eye vision both eyes so.
0: and for you because of your radiation you also lost hearing in your Right ear, if I'm not mistaken. Both ears. Both, both ears. ears. Okay, yeah. so you you use he- hearing aids for both ears. Yes, I so. use hearing aids for both ears. Um, right.
1: But the blessing also is that without hearing aids, I can still hear in a way. Right. Not um, comprehend fully, right. but I can still hear. But I'm also um, I was learning the skill of being a lip reader too. Right. So that's also how I interacted with friends and family. Right. Uh, if my hearing aids were out, so the lip reading lips or right. people learned how to turn on and off lights if I was not paying attention. Right. Thank goodness for phones. So I can <laughs> keep the text message now. Right.
0: So, yeah. No, and I think um, if you could define for those who are listening and seeing you as well, those who are not aware, because a lot of people have this perception that if you're blind and if you can't hear, that it's completely, there's no vision and there's no hearing, but that's not true.
1: No, and I'm glad you asked this question. Let me find a way to give an analogy that makes sense. So when you lose your vision, Mm -hmm. think of it, so okay losing your vision and losing your hearing are two different things even though the ear and the nose and the throat are all connected they're two different things so think of it as when you lose your vision you lose one hand but when you lose your hearing you lose one leg right so it's it's like you know one can you can still operate like if you lose your vision you can still hear if you lose your hearing, you can still see so it's just um some people uh, there's different. There's different definitions as well. There's mm-hmm. deaf-blind, right. hard of hearing, right. visually impaired. Now, for me, uh, throughout my life, and also, you know, for governmental and doctor purposes, I'm I was more so hard of hearing and visually impaired. But oh, the older I got, the more I was okay with defining myself as deaf because yet yeah, com- combining, I do have. I do have loss. So there's different terminology as far as how to define it. But no, do you think of it as one of your joints or your limbs is not working? Doesn't mean that everything else doesn't work.
0: Right, right. And I'm I'm so glad that you explained it so thoroughly because I think a lot of people have, you know, same movie stereotypes that you have when you think of somebody who is blind um, because there is a definition of blind and legally blind and a definition of being deaf and there's so many levels of it so I think people need to be more aware of that and be able to learn more about these things. But, um, and here comes the part about you um, define the camera as being your, I guess, mode of expression, your primary mode of ex- expression since you were five years old. Did you ever have the inkling that how can I do this? Or it was just, it just never occurred to you that, no, that this could be a problem for you.
1: Well, it's. It never did occur to me that I could actually make it a career. It never did. It it was just one of those things where, you know, when you're between the ages of five to 13, when you find Mm -hmm. something that you really, really like, you stick with it, right? Right. But I also vividly remember um, in middle school, we actually, again, this is the blessing of technology. Mm -hmm. In one of our classes, we could actually take those personality quizzes to see what careers are really good for us. Right. Every uh, quiz I took, said you need to do something creative. And so it wasn't until I think high school or entering high school, because I went to technical high school. So they kind of train you a little differently on what do you want to do when you leave here? So that's when I realized, okay, there's journalism. There's uh, photography, there's videography, right. there's cinematography. That's when right. I started to learn, oh, I could actually do this for a living. So, right. no, a camera as a child was just, like you said, my, my means of expression. Because I technically, right. I have older siblings, mm-hmm. but because they're like twice my age, I didn't mm-hmm. grow up with them. So I right. needed way to interact with people, converse. Right. So it was just one of those
0: things of I was blessed like to find my purpose at such a young age. So. I, I think that's fantastic. And you have to define, because I do photography. So I know what you're talking about, but you have to define what is the photographer's eye because a lot of people don't think about it, but it's true. What you said was true.
1: So um, maybe more people won't think about it now because the device is now. Right. It's different. It's different. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I say that because um, you know, once again, my first cameras were the ones where you had to take to the convenience store. Right, which means right, right, You look through one little viewfinder, one right. little view. You have one small shot to see if you took a good photo or not. Right. Um, and, and 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 a little tooting of the horn. Every photo that I did take, most 99% of the time, the photos that I did take before uh, smartphone were like really good. Wow. So that's also another sign of how I knew that right. it, it could be something. So. Yeah, before your smartphones, before the cameras, where they ha- you see everything in the back, mm-hmm. you really had to look through a small viewfinder and squint. That's Most right. people have to squint right the eye, and so right. me, I don't have to do that.
0: Right, so. <laughs> and that's that's so fantastic because, uh, you know, a lot of people have the perception: oh, you have a disability. Now what? You know, that's it's sort of like the pity thing, and mm-hmm. I I hate that. But I'm going to ask you the question, you know, at one point, if there was any point at all growing up, what was the hardest part of not being able to see with one eye and having hearing loss?
1: I think the first um, example that comes to mind with that question is my hand-eye coordination when it came to sports. Mm-hmm. Right, so I think most people don't realize that too. That's that kind right. of how you know that things are connected. All your joints are connected. Yeah. So I love sports. I love running. I love swimming. I love any sport that involves just moving my body. Right, but when it came to sports like basketball, mm. football, flag football, I had to be extra careful because if I did not, I, because I can't see over here, right. Right. and also because I wear a hearing aid, if I don't right. see or here the ball coming my way, that's an injury right Ooh. there. <laughs> so that's the first example that um come, comes up with me. But I think um, the other example is just because of also the lack of understanding, it, it, it would I was prone to believing in that way because people just did not understand. Like, how right. can you see me and not see me, and you look like you're poor eyes, and, and you know all of those unfortunate things. But right. um, you know, it just those are the very two things that came to my mind: the right. the uh, limit kind of to what sports I could participate in, and right. then the limit to the um, understanding of other people, other people, how I even. Uh,
0: Right. Yeah. right. Uh, but you have to tell me, and I read in, uh, read in your book that you liked driving. You have to tell me. I, I mean, I just like, uh, because, you know, again, we're so limited in our perceptions, but you have to tell me how, you because you do drive and you like to drive and you like your cars, you know, you like a fast car. So how did you like um, customize your car? Did you like, I don't know, what's the term called? You know, like do something extra with it that helps you out in your driving?
1: So, kind of, sort of, yes. But another blessing is that the the eye that I can see in is, is on the side that we drive right. on. on the, right, in the right. U.S., you drive on the left side, left side and I can see my left eye. So that kind of makes it easier. But also, yes, I have um, blind spot mirrors. Ah, <laughs> I have blind spot mirrors on my car. Right, um, right. But also because... When I was learning how to drive, I learned how to drive on what they call hoop right? So mm. before you had mirrors that you could adjust, you literally had to look behind you,
0: right, and, right, you know, right.
1: Look yeah. and see where you're going. <laughs> so, um, I, I, it's you know, technology is amazing in the sense of first I started out driving where you had to literally look where you're going, uh-huh. and then my first car was uh, blind spot mirror, then automatic mirror, right. But then I had I've been in rental cars where, um. Is so everything automatic? Like it will beep if a right. car is next to you. It right, will right. adjust um, to your height. <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah.
0: No, th- that's definitely a blessing. I mean, uh, even like under normal circumstances, because when people are not really looking where they're going. <laughs> so, but you know, I think. It's it's incredible, and um, the other thing I think could you tell tell us about a little bit of, of your family background? Were your parents from the U.S. or were you, is your extended family from the U.S.?
1: Yes, so I am um, full-on African American, well, mm-hmm. but I also maybe mind a little bit of my maternal um, grandfather is from the Virgin Islands, so we're from the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I also learned my ancestry on my dad's side, and so fortunately, not all African-Americans have the opportunity to learn that, right. um, I also learned that I am Cherokee Native American on my dad's oh, wow. side. Wow. So, um, But for the most part, I am African-American, um, mm-hmm. and my parents converted to okay. Islam. So mm-hmm. my mom converted individually before she even met my dad, and then they came together and actually converted. So, because it was just them that converted, mm. it's it's kind of an interesting uh, energy, I guess, between my older siblings because that they didn't grow up in the same religion as me. Right. So they have the understanding of it, but that's right. as far as it go. You know, that's not we spend holiday together, but that's a different holiday. Right.
0: So, right. Yeah. But that's that again. Everybody has such a different story, but tell me, and I was reading this in your book, it was not just your disability that used to often pop up for you. It was because you were African American. Could you, you know, define that first before I go into any other question, you know, how was it hard for you as an African American with a disability? What was, what were the major, I guess, hurdles for you because of that?
1: So I think the biggest thing is just all the stereotypes of, of mm-hmm. simply being African American, and on top of that, uh, I was blessed to have a really good education. Mm-hmm. But because I had a really good education, that meant I was the only one or one of few. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of the time, that was challenging because I had to also well, this back before I even knew who or could be able to say who I was, you know, as a person or understood why i was the way that i was i was just known to be different and and in a way i was kind of popular in school because i was so different They're like this girl she's so nice but she's so different and i just wanted to just you know right right? so um i think that was just the hardest part of i was always one of few um that Mm -hmm. looked like me and not Mm -hmm. just skin-wise not just religiously but also because of the different ability um right you know being different all around and stuff
0: right And the thing is, but did you ever feel, feel alone because of that? I mean, I think I could ask for both things that, did you ever feel alone because A, you were African American and B, you were Muslim as well?
1: Yes. A lot of times, Mm. a lot, a lot of times. So alone that my best friend growing up, honestly, was music in my journal. Mm. (laughs) So I was always just, you know, and then my parents, you know, understandably, they were always working. You know, obviously I got medical uh, expenses, so they were always working. And and once again, I was technically an only child. So um, I did often feel alone, and it really just took me to becoming an adult and operating on my own to know that uh, one is, the good thing, you know, because right. I was so alone that I like now as an adult, I'm I'm more confident in myself uh, as a woman than most women are at my age. Right, you know, it's like I you've traveled the world, Zakira. That
0: I've that's that that's you have been, and you said said this in uh, in your book that you've you hear this a lot that you've been to more countries than a lot of other people that you know. So please tell us where have you been, and most of these places you've been uh, with certain groups, but you've made a lot. Of these journeys alone
1: as well. Yeah, so it's I think at this point it has been half and half. It's half groups and half like uh, by myself but maybe meeting up with groups later on. Right. So yeah, I would like to go to ten countries. Um and the first few were with groups. Actually my very first out of country trip was with a group that uh the other group members were deaf or hard Mm -hmm. appearing or they just were interested in learning the culture. So that was a great uh intro to stepping outside of my own comfort zone because before that I was so afraid of things going wrong that I just would not leave the country. And after that, there's afraid that something like once the travel bug you, you're, you know, you're going to (laughs) travel regardless. So, then came, I think, maybe two more group trips before I actually went solo. And solo, Mm -hmm. for me, was never fully, like, I was never fully on my own because again, thanks to technology, I would meet up with, you know, someone or I would stay with your family. So um, most of my trips, most of them have been in uh, Africa, Mm -hmm. uh, mostly West Africa. And I did get to go to South Africa for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I have gone to, I've been to three countries in Europe and one country in south america mm-hmm. um and in the caribbean i've been to a right. couple in the caribbean too so i've literally had a taste of almost all the different cultures so that's right
0: what, think, yeah. what was your favorite place to go to i mean i'm i'm oh, just nice. jealous that you were able to go <laughs> but you have to tell us you know what was your favorite place to go to because oh, I've seen the pictures Akira. The pictures are amazing. I mean, I'll post a post up a, a link to your website in the show notes that everybody can see the pictures you've taken and I absolutely love Thank them. You. But you have to tell us that which was a big place to go.
1: Oh, that's so hard because um, there is a part in the book that I'm not afraid of talking about because it was already put put out there in the book, but I was married at one point mm-hmm. and um, you know, his family was beautiful and the country was beautiful. He's from the country of the Gambia mm-hmm. and you know, that country was beautiful. And because the family was so beautiful, they're like, this is always going to be your home no matter what. Even after, right. you know, Aww. we were no longer married, they were all, they were the same. Oh, that's they so said the same thing so that's one of my favorite countries but right. what my other favorite country um was actually south africa um because mm-hmm. i love i love learning a new language but i also right. love knowing that i can speak english
0: read right. the menu
1: the whole thing. Right. Right? so <laughs> i enjoyed that about south africa and it seemed to be a common thread also of it uh reminded me a little bit of um Los Angeles, California, in the sense of you want to go up the mountain, you can go up the mountain, you want to come back down and get into the beach, go for it because it's literally all in one. So it was beautiful, it was modern, it was uh, photogenic, it was Mm -hmm. full of other creatives as well. There are a lot of other African-Americans, I would say, Mm -hmm. who have left the U.S. and decided to be there. And it's one of those, well, I don't know about now, in 2020, But before 2020, there are a lot of countries where you could just spend three months only on a visa. You don't need, I mean, not not with, you don't need a visa you can spend three months simply just being in a country so you know countries like that are also fun to fully immerse in that culture so I think that's why I like South Africa a lot
0: Wow so I mean that's fantastic and I'm gonna get into your photography a little later but I think one of the most key questions I have is and again I think I may be coming back to this a little too many times but you have to tell us because you have a very unique perspective because of who you are in your totality. You're Muslim, you're African-American, and you are deafblind. You have to tell me that being as being a Muslim, what were some of the fondest things for you, but what were the things that you felt like being a Muslim in your totality that sort of was not the most positive experience for you? Um. I guess I would
1: say I'm glad we're having a conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's all about um, educating. And I'll be honest, uh, fortunately and unfortunately, it was a lot of the Middle Eastern Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I had trouble with. Mm -hmm. Because um, maybe also, just the lack of understanding that Mm -hmm. the religion of Islam means peace Mm -hmm. and it is a very international religion. Right. Just because um there were people who choose to choose to convert to the religion versus growing up in a country that's right. full of it, that right. didn't make us any less than. Right. And unfortunately, um, that was the energy I always got growing up. Mm. And so, I mean, yeah, that that's the energy I always got growing up from all Middle Easterners. Um, right. That you know, just because that they they had they had they didn't have to experience. Right. slavery or apartheid right. or right. things that we go through made made kind of made them act like that they were less than, right. uh, that we we're less than. Right. So I think that was the hardest part because I didn't grow up that way. You know, I want to know that uh, my mom, you know, again, being part Caribbean, right. she loves Bob Marley. And one of right. Bob Mali's most famous quote is, love is my religion. Right, mm. so I grew up um, operating under that. So right, right. I think that was challenging. That was challenging. That, it's like, hey, I I love you for the sake of God. Why right. are you, you know, looking at me left? <laughs> you know,
0: right? I I and I mean, I I hate to even have to, but yeah, that's that is unfortunately how it is, Zakira. But you had also def- uh, mentioned something else in your book. You grew up in um, in a La- lot in all all different cities. You grew up in Tennessee, you grew up in Georgia. What was it like when you were around non-Muslims and you were Muslim and African-American and also that you, I mean, again, deafblind?
1: blind um, I feel like for me, the first real taste of independence or maybe culture shock honestly started on one of my trips. So. Uh, When I was in Ghana, that was Mm -hmm. really my first time exploring um, my spirituality Mm -hmm. because um, similar to the US, Ghana has parts that are predominantly um, Christian and parts that are predominantly Muslim. Mm -hmm. So I was blessed to go to both. And so whenever I went to the parts that were predominantly Muslim, it was a true test of how much to are you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so um, uh, I think even when I was living on my own, because um, I also lived in, in Maryland. So nice. I literally have family up and down the East Coast. So when right. I moved to Maryland, I was actually close to my dad's side of family, which, you know, also was not uh, Muslim. So it was a true, again, a true testament of of how serious are you about your faith, That's because right. um, that was really also my reminder of I'm a part of so many different cultures. Like I actually am African American, so why can't right. I cannot participate in African American cultural norms. Right. And then, but yeah, okay, I'm also Muslim, so let me go ahead and participate in the Muslim festivities. Right. So I think it was just. It was just, you know, just a true testament of, of spirituality, which really, I you know, know, I have no regrets. It helped me to shape into the woman that I am today.
0: Right. And you're a fantastic woman, Zakira. And I'm, I'm going to go into your, your professional career. And you don't have one career, Zakira. And I'm just sitting through the book and I'm like, oh my god you're into so many things and I'm like I feel, I feel a little embarrassed you know I'm like I've, I've done I haven't even done half the things you've done Zakira. but I know it, it brings me so much joy that you've you've done all of these things it's not just photography photography is your main gig that's how, that's how it is how we define it. it's your main gig but you've got a lot of gigs and you sort of fell into so many gigs you you I mean, you're better at this. You'll have to tell us, you know, what is it that you do in photography and everything else that you do?
1: Yes. So, like you said, I'm a photographer first. That's how people know me. Mm -hmm. That's how I discovered my purpose. That's what it's going to be. Um, But then, as I am, I mean, once I officially became a a photographer and made my first sale, I'm like, I'm an entrepreneur now. Like, I have to have some kind of business hat on. I don't right. know anything about it, but I have to wear <laughs> some kind of business hat. Right. So that's when I taught myself um, Facebook pages was just coming out. So I literally right. had to teach myself. I was already on it, you know, having, having conversations with my high school friend in the game because I moved around so much from my other high school, right? So right. I was already on Facebook just for fun. So then I had to teach myself how to use Facebook to promote my own business. Right. And so once I got that down pat um, I've always been a fond believer in each one teach one so then my first actual social media marketing client was actually a friend of mine who um, was a singer and so I'm like hey you need to be using Facebook pages because you could get more listeners for your music and so she was like I don't know nothing about that I trust you to to create it for me run it for me so that's how I got into social media to teaching others how to do social media but then um, you know, all of it, I feel it just going back to the fact that I, I'm a creative at heart. Right. Mm-hmm. So then I get into videos. And then at one point when I did continue my education in photography, we had one course, one course in videography, and that's all I needed because I spent that next year, um, producing, directing, editing, filming, wow. documentary, right? Right. So then I learned how to, you know, do all that. And so right. what became easy for me, um, I guess, skipping over to the other creative thing that I do is writing. Before the book right. came out, I love writing because right. apparently I had a knack for storytelling.
0: Because so your mom does do too, I because ice yeah. Yes, you're, you got it from your mom.
1: I did. I did. <laughs> so, yeah, she, um, I got it from her genetically. But then, of right. course, you know, and I also learned from her because she was so transparent. Right. But, yeah, so by the time I actually start writing for myself, I write these stories of this is how my travel went today. That's actually right. how I started writing. And so then I started writing for, um, you know, other blogs, other articles.
0: Right.
1: And then uh, came the world of podcasting. So podcasting right. was literally just, it's the audio version of writing a blog right. and, or, or the, the audio version of doing a video. Right. And so for me that came with ease because I already had the skills of being a blogger because I already had the skills of being a filmmaker. So it's just the only difference was it's just audio. Well, now we're going back to a little bit of including video. But for right. the most part, it was just audio. Mm-hmm. And so I was still able to maintain my love of people, mm-hmm. my love of creating and um, just having a podcast of still just, uh, right now my theme is interviewing other women of purpose mm-hmm. uh, who have stories of resilience, of overcoming adversity, that nitty gritty into how you got to where you are today. Right, right, So all of it, I think, really just intertwined because I've always been, uh, I you know, because I, I'm so used to quiet time, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, my intuition is pretty strong. So I try to, you know, always, Stay on the path of what I am meant to um, meant to be doing, and right. it just always ha- happened to be creative, creative, right. and inspiring people to step outside of their comfort zone. So.
0: Yeah, it's not, and for you, it's not just one thing. That's that's the incredible part about it. It's not just photography. It's not even just one kind of photography. Um, I remember that it's, you did uh, photo- you do portrait photography, but you've also done. Um, photography at music festivals and um, you know your travel photography which I've also seen and uh, then you have your social social media managing and you're also have your own marketing company and you know it's fantastic that you you reach out into so many avenues it's it's absolutely so great that you can just just break all those I think all of us exist in a box you know that's the problem with all of us that we're all existing in a box and we're unable to sort of escape that box but you're escaping all the boxes so I think that's so great Zakira and I'm filled with joy having you as my very first guest. And thank you so much for being here with me. And uh, please do tell our listeners and our viewers about your uh, photography w- website, your podcast as well, and any other social media outlets that you have.
1: Hey, yes. No, thank you for having me. I'm glad we've been able to have uh, the conversations that are hard to have and that mm. need to have. So yes. thank you for the opportunity. Um So yes, yeah, so. Uh, everywhere on social media, you can find me personally mm-hmm. at Illuminous1, which is actually the meaning of my middle name. My middle name is Nayar and it actually Luminous in mm-hmm. Arabic. So Illuminous1 is uh, me on social media. And my main website for my personal brand also is nayarcom I feel like that's easy to say, that's why I right. chose that. Um, But then, I mean, from from.care.org.com, you can find my podcast, which is called The Living Legacy Podcast, or just go straight to wherever you love to listen to podcasts. At this point, I believe it's everywhere, and which is exciting. Right. (laughs) I can't wait for you all to hear it. Um, And then you can also find my uh, photography services. The photography is actually called Naya Photography. So you can Mm -hmm. find my photography uh, photos there. You can check out some of my travel, music, uh people photography and right. then last but not least i actually did start to incorporate uh not only my love for music and photography and marketing in one uh but also to give other women opportunity to help to bridge that pay gap that unfortunate right. gap between right. women in the technology marketing uh, advertising world so I started a marketing agency called Focus Media Group and that's with a PH because again on a play of the right. photography <laughs> so Focus Media dot com you can find out about how we can help you to grow your Instagram or help you to find your brand or even just be a business consultant if you have that idea in mind but you don't know how to execute it and bring it to fruition so that's where you can find me oh in yes. my book of course you can find my book on my website too yes import um, independent author by purchasing the paperback but it is also on audible and amazon mm-hmm. as well
0: yes one more na- time the name of your book Zakira I'm I just like I said I'm bad with names I don't want to mess it up so please tell us the name of your book
1: yes Seeing Life Through a Different Lens by Zakira Maman.
0: yes And before we leave, Zakira, please, if you have one solid piece of advice is a bad thing, but I guess what you've learned from your life experiences, what is it that you would want other people to know from your perspective?
1: Um, I think I definitely want to say to... Uh, step outside of your comfort zone, step outside of that box, Um, the box that you grew up in, the box that your parents or your sibling put you in, uh, step outside of that. 2020 has definitely been the year for me to step outside of it even more and I just hope you do the same thing. We have plenty of time left in the year to do that.
0: Thank you so much, Zakira, and thank you so much for being with me. And for everybody who's listening and seeing me for the first time, thank you for like putting up with my face (laughs) but you all take care of yourself and may peace be on you all Thank you so much for tuning in to I'm a Muslim and that's okay. And if you wish to follow my social media for more updates, you can follow me on Instagram, on Facebook and on YouTube. All the links to those are in the show notes. And if you are on Apple or on Spotify or on Podchaser, please do give my podcast a five star rating. It really does help get me, you know, in the public eye. And if you wish to donate to support the podcast, you can do so through the PayPal link in my show notes as well. Take care.